Hello, listeners. Eddie Louise here, writer of the tales of Sage and Savant. I'm popping in before our episode begins to give a content warning and a heads up. Episode 405, Part 1 is going to deal with some pretty heavy stuff concerning consent and assault. It's been a long time coming, and as Petra and Erasmus finally share the full truth of their experiences, there might be some moments that are uncomfortable. As a rape survivor myself, I know that scenes like this can sometimes be triggering, and I never want to cause harm to others. Please take care of yourself first. This is, after all, just a story. Our website will have the full transcript if you want to keep abreast of the plot without listening to the specifics. Thank you, and take care. Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. Special guest this episode is Ian Humphrey as Damien. If you want to learn more of the stories of Sage and Savant and the reasons why I record these broadcasts, you can pick up our book, Transmigrations, available on our website and everywhere books are sold. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. This month's program, entitled The Last Person, is sponsored by Wi-Fi Sci-Fi and features the music of Avital Raz. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. Last we saw our doctor, she was chained in the catacombs of Paris and reeling from evidence that her brain had been tampered with. The professor had found her, but been forced to leave her alone in the dark once again as he went in search of implements to break her chains. Unfortunately, before Erasmus could return, Petra was revisited by a familiar and hated present. Hello, doctor. Miss me? Get out! And I did. But you have slept, and that resets your neurons. I will always be able to come back after you sleep. What do you want from me? Do you want to know something interesting? 
It has been centuries since your discovery, and no one transmigrates. What do you mean, no one transmigrates? I mean that a certain organization with deep pockets managed to keep your discovery entirely secret for all these years. Les Chargés de l'Affaire? What purpose would they have to squash my research? <laughs> they didn't squash it. They simply kept it for themselves. Rather selfish of them, if you ask me. But you said no one transmigrates. Well, I, I might have been a bit hyperbolic. I meant to say that no one who is not in the inner sanctum transmigrates. No government agents, no physicians, no collegians. And this, this is why you've invaded my consciousness in such a brutal manner? I don't understand. I have no control over a future centuries from now. But your invention in the hands of just one man, a man that controls who has access, who is worthy, this cannot possibly be the future you desired. Did you know? Co-apperception is a drain on the energy of the host brain. I did not know there was a physical toll. Petra, I need you to stay with me. You need. You try and tell me that I must be wary of a man who wishes to control my legacy when you are here. A man now in my brain without permission. And it hurts. Why did Edgar or Charlie not tell me that it hurts? I would have stopped if I'd known. Petra, listen to me. <laughs> I don't have to. The cavalry is here. No matter what your aim was, you have lost. Erasmus will take me somewhere where I can reverse the effects of this cursed surgery and get you out of my head for once and all. The cavalry has indeed arrived, and it comes with sledge and all to burst the chains linking Petra to the wall in this cursed place. Whilst Erasmus freed her body, Petra used the last of her flagging energy to repel the invading consciousness once again. At the doctor's urging, Erasmus took her to the one place she knew she would be safe from the prying eyes of Le Chargé de la Faire, her secret ancillary laboratory on Rue Bonaparte. Petra, is that man still in your head? Won't he be able to find his way here? I, I think you would be safer at home in your own laboratory. We could wall off the stairs, and you control the lift. I I've kicked the bastard out again, although this time it was harder. We will take steps to bar him permanently soon enough, but for now, there's something I need to do with you. Can you get the apparatus up and running? You're going to transmigrate now? Well, no. But I want you to co-apercept with me. Co-apperception? I'm sorry. Didn't you just learn firsthand how awful it is? Yes. But I don't know that it is awful when the process is mutual, when it is made by consent. Petra, this is really too much. You've been through an ordeal. I need to get you on a ship home. You need rest. We need to regroup. You don't even know what we've been through. What way, Young? Erasmus, I don't want to let this wait. I need to get him out of my head. I need to remove the feel of him. I just... Petra. 
I don't want any part of him left there. There's only one person I want in my head. I want the last person to have access to my thoughts, to myself. I need that last person to be you. Please, Erasmus. All right, pet. But only if you assure me that there is no danger to your person. I think you've lost a lot of blood. You're probably dehydrated. I could never forgive myself if I did this and you died. I couldn't take it. I'm not going to die. But you are right. I am dehydrated. Perhaps you can get me some water and we can rest for a few minutes. I'm holding the invader at bay for now. You think that he won't be able to enter your head if I'm already there? It's a theory. <laughs> Against his better judgment, Erasmus suits up and prepares to transmigrate. An in-the-room translateral move, which he has never done, which would be enough to cause apprehension without the added element of co-apperception. It is not a comfortable feeling, but he bites back his foreboding. It is obvious Petra is not to be swayed. So, this is how you entered Cunningham, just transmigrating from one plinth to another? You don't have to worry, Erasmus. I did this a number of times with Mix Cunningham. There's really nothing different about it from the traveler's viewpoint. A number of times? <laughs> Petra, I'm not sure that inviting me into your head is the best idea. Won't I have access to all your secrets? Uh, yes. But not because you are in my head. <sighs> Co-apperception allows you to feel everything the host body feels, but the mind is different. Mm. Consciousness and memory are separate systems as far as I can tell. Memories are only revealed if the host chooses to think of them. I learned very little of the dashing highwayman when I was in his head. Edgar, on the other hand, seemed to revel in revealing his every thought, almost like he was using me as an excuse to dredge up old memories. Petra, about Edgar. I don't know. The coincidence of his death. It's too much to ignore, I know. But honestly, Erasmus, Edgar was always happy to see me. He seemed to revel in our connection, in the ability to speak with someone who understood the dark currents in his thoughts. There was never a sense of trauma. Well, that is the other reason I need you to come into my head. If the pain is there, even when co-apperception is voluntary, well, that would be my answer. That would answer if I had anything to do with Edgar's death. And what about you? What if my co-apperception is the tipping weight of your own brain? Petra, I couldn't stand it if this... <laughs> Erasmus, you know me better than that. Death is no barrier to science, but more, death is no barrier to my life. You could not harm me. I'm certain of it. You are my last person. Petra guides Erasmus through setting up the equipment. In this makeshift lab, the crucible is violent, lacking the redundant safety systems that have been built into the King's College laboratory. Electricity crackles in the air, and copper tubing twitches like living snakes. Once everything is ready, Petra swings the console into the professor's reach and stretches out next to him on the long kitchen table. Petra. You don't have to share everything with me. But I do. 
It is time. It is past time. And the only way I can be sure that he is gone is to allow you into places he never reached. I need to be sure there are no hidden corners of my brain where he still lurks. I understand. Are you ready, Pat? I'm ready. The professor hits the switch and the electricity begins to build. I watch the spinning, whirling current with a fascination born of equal parts familiarity and dread. I have shared the thoughts of these two people as individuals for a number of weeks, but have no idea what effect this merging will have on my own ability to perceive what is happening. It is like watching a simple square of paper being transformed through intricate folds into a creature of wonder. As the electricity hits the professor and his consciousness breaks free, reality folds like origami and everything is engulfed in a pale and misty blue void. Will the co-apperception work? Will Erasmus finally know all of Petra's secrets? We'll find out after this short musical break. And now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the talented melodical expressions of Avital Raz.
Now, back to our story. When we left our heroes, they were attempting a co-apperception in the basement of an abandoned house in Paris. The professor opened his eyes in a condition that can only be called familiar. As his vision swam into focus, he mused on how comfortable the feeling of being inside another person's body had become. Bodies are, after all, similar one to another, same bundle of nerves, same ropes of muscle. Exterior details change, fewer teeth here, more hair there. But the interior of each and every one is the same, and those interior details are the first to register when a consciousness anchors itself in corporeal form. Erasmus. I'm here, pet. Am I causing you any pain? I don't think so. I'm feeling pain, yes, but I don't think it is any greater than what I was feeling before. Let me try something. Oh, what did you do? I simply visualized my pain level. Here, I'll stop. Petra Sage, oh, you're in agony. We need to end this now. Kick me out. No, I'm not in agony. At least, not as much as when that man was in my head, really. Then co-op perception has completely unbalanced your pain receptors because Petra, 
That was like the worst headache of my life, coupled with a cannonball to the skull. You must send me back to my own body before I do damage to yours. I can feel the surgical incision, the, the, the break in the bone, but these are both dull, throbbing pains, not at all like the ice pick brutality I felt in the catacombs. I'm sure it's fine. Perhaps I shared what I was feeling in the wrong way. I've not had the opportunity to study this end of co-op perception. Petra, I, I really don't think that- Erasmus, it is all right. We won't stay linked long, but there are things I need you to know. There are questions only you can answer, please. Bear with me. I never did learn how to tell you no. Good. Now, I'm assuming that what you have access to just now are my surface thoughts, the things that are at the forefront of my consciousness. If I'm right, you should not be able to peer deeper into my mind or to my memories or my emotions. Is that correct? Mm, not quite. I can sense you're feeling a bit impatient or anxious. You're hungry, and I think you're ignoring that. There's, well, a cloud, for lack of a better term, of guilt or regret. It's like your words are filtered through those emotions before blooming to the surface. Right. That is a good analogy. The conscious thought is the top of the lake, but all ideas, feelings, responses rise up through the murk. Ah. So you can get a small sense of my emotions, but not hmm. the full force. That seems accurate. Good. Can you... Can you sense him here on the surface of my mind? Hmm. No. This all feels... Petra, everything feels like you. Oh. What? Oh? Just here. It's like a bruise on a piece of fruit. Or the odor of decay near the sea. There is you, but then there's this other. And that will be where he... Where... I wonder if psychic wounds are all like this. I would imagine there are common traits, just as there are to exterior wounds. How do I fix it? I'm not sure you can, but it helps that you know it is there. Now, I want you to search my mind. I'll try calling up memories. I'll think of my formulae. I'll open every corner of my mind. I need you to be sure that he did not somehow get beneath the surface. Petra, you don't have to expose yourself this way to me. I believe you. I know. That is the only reason you are here. Still, I need to know if he penetrated any deeper. I need to be sure that he didn't... It's all right, Pat. I'm here. I'll do as you ask. Erasmus searched the corridors of the doctor's mind starting first with her memories of a lonely childhood. Sage was a daughter born to a family that wished for sons. Her father was distant, her mother overbearing, so she took comfort in books and the fascination to be found in Fibonacci sequences. Such is the professor's nature that he could not help sharing details from his own childhood, and so as he learned of her past, <laughs> she learned of his. <laughs> 
we hauled the entire bucket of frogs, garter snakes, and crawdads in black mud to the house, dumped it into the bottom of Reginald's bed, and carefully pulled the duvet up to conceal our revenge. <laughs> you never heard a boy scream so loud in your life. <laughs> I can just see you covered in mud, your hair a wild tangle. But there were some memories that were not so sweet. And then he... He raped me. <gasps> and I just let him. I tried to get him to stop, but he wasn't listening. He was so much bigger than me. He gripped my arm so tight I thought it would tear off. I didn't know. Oh, Erasmus, why didn't you tell me? You couldn't have done anything. You were a girl, too. But after, once we were home, I could have held you. I could have... Something. No, Pet. You couldn't have done anything. In some ways, I was lucky. The body he harmed was not my own. I didn't have to bear any of the physical indignities of the attack. And as for my consciousness, well... I suppose it has a bruise spot like yours. And that can't be fixed by wishing it away. And that is why you didn't join Abigail and I back at the cave. Did the brute keep you caged up? Were you at his mercy until the recall sounded? No, there was no mercy to be had in that stables, Petra, believe you me. Men are stupid in the moments after completion. I knew that, in a way no young girl could understand. He made the mistake, you see, of pushing me up against the wall of the stalls as he grunted his vile pleasure above me. My fingertips brushed the handle of a shovel. When he was done, while he stood there lecturing me on the qualities of good wifery, suffice it to say that in the contest of his skull and that shovel, the shovel won. Oh, my darling. No, I'm fine. Really. I tied him up. I found a bottle of whiskey in the tack room and doused him with it, leaving the empty and the straw by his head. I brained him anew each time he stirred and waited for the dawn. I made sure he was insensible as the sun crested the horizon. Then I untied him and arranged myself in such a manner that it was obvious I'd been ravished. And I left that bastard to his fate. It must have looked like he'd killed you in a drunken rage. Exactly. I don't know what to say. How to help. No, I'm better now. With time. It helps talking about it, though. Confessing what I did to him. What you did to him? You would have been completely justified in killing him. Leaving him to face punishment for what he'd done to you was more mercy than I could have shown. He didn't, though. He didn't face justice. They ran him out of town. But the shame was too much for the family to bear. They didn't want a trial. How do you know this? I'm a historian, Petra. I'm researched. <laughs> oh, that's strange. I've 
never thought about researching our exploits. You're a scientist. Your thoughts have been elsewhere. I, on the other hand, have researched every place we've been as much as possible to see if I can identify our actions in the past. <laughs> Only in the past? <laughs> I haven't yet invented a way to research the history of the future, my dear. <laughs> right. Of course. Erasmus. Yes? I'm tired. Will you take me home? And with a feeling as simple as the unclasping of hands, the professor's consciousness returned to his own body. I'd like to take a moment, dear listeners, to state for the record that the co-apperception of these two did not register the same as that with the highwaymen, the mental patients, or the writers. With all the others, it has felt like there was a membrane to push through, a barrier dividing the two consciousnesses, and my thoughts stayed firmly rooted in the doctor's point of view. But with Petra and Erasmus, there was no division. It was more like there was a womb space with twin minds, separate, but also not. Whatever the case, the co-apperception had weakened Petra, and when Erasmus regained his own body, she slumped into unconsciousness. Come now, Pet, none of that. I'll have to take you to the hospital, and we both know you won't be happy with me for that. Justin, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's an anomaly we need to deal with. I'm sorry, Lucy. Did you say anomaly? Yes, a time anomaly. The body of the young zookeeper has disappeared from the morgue. Abigail did it. She returned to the same body a second time. Can you access the vid link to my apartment? Justin, she won't be there. If she returned to the body before the medbots came to take them to the morgue, we would have a report informing us of there only being one body. Instead, we have no medbot report at all. That was the anomaly that had me check the morgue records. Go with me on this, Lucy. I have a hunch. Accessing VidLink. Finally! It was as I suspected. Abigail had re-inhabited the body of the zookeeper in my apartment. In the corner of the room, two medbots stood, maintenance panels open and power leads disengaged from the hard drives. It didn't come home last night. Yes, they still have me in secure space at headquarters. But why did you come back? They took Dr. Sage. We need to know what you know. She is safe. Professor Savant rescued her. Oh, thank God. But what did they do to her? I don't know yet, but we suspect they put a kind of marker in her brain that allows for reoccupation. But they can't occupy her body. She's still in it. It seems to be a rather brutal attempt at forcing co-apperception. That is barbaric. Yes, it was very painful for the doctor. And I hate to say it, I am sure they will try again. We have to stop them. Lucy and I are working to isolate the threat here, but we hadn't realized they could reach into the past. And the most important thing you can do is help Erasmus keep the doctor safe. It might be best if she doesn't transmigrate for a little while. <laughs> like we have any say over what the doctor does. Yeah. I feel we should find some way to stay in touch. But my recall is due to sound in just a few minutes, and I don't think I should just keep on coming back to this point in time. No, you're right. We really don't know what'll happen if we destabilize the timeline in that manner. I believe we might be able to help with that. While you were talking, I pinged Weiboyal. He has suggested that we render this body a blank. We can keep it alive in a stasis pod, and it will be available for Abigail whenever she needs to speak with us. 
will that work? Well, it is awkward because we won't be able to reach out to you, but one-sided communication is better than no communication. I agree. I'm sorry about your automatons. How did you know what to do to depower them? Oh, you hang around the doctor long enough and you learn a thing or two about electrical power. I will send April to repair the medbots and retrieve your form. Wait, April? April is alive? I thought she was dead. I needed to perpetrate that ruse in case Les Rey Tutons were monitoring our channels. In reality, the dose administered to her was the same as that to Justin. For what it is worth, I do not think Julio meant to kill her. Maybe not, but he still was willing to do harm and who knows what else they're planning. Pardon me. Well, it is awful to hear a man argue with a computer. I'm afraid the time has come for me to go home. Is there anything else I need to know? I don't think so. But when should you come back? We can have this body on standby for you by the end of the week. All right. I'll come again in four days' time. And with that, Abigail stretched out on the sofa to wait for the recall home. We will leave our heroes here and pause for a word from our sponsor. Hello, listeners. Chip Michael here, composer and sound engineer for the Tales of Sage and Savant. You may have heard that our show will be joining five other science fiction audio dramas to put on a live performance at Wi-Fi Sci-Fi in Seattle this coming April. Which is great! We have two awesome scripts that we do live. There is Titanic Difficulties, where Sage and Savant end up on the doomed ocean liner. And there is And the Walls Came Tumbling, where Abigail joins our pair on an adventure to San Francisco in 1906. Except... Eddie has informed me that we won't be performing either of those scripts. We'll be working on a brand new, never-before-performed script exclusively for the Wi-Fi Sci-Fi audience. And she tells me it'll be recorded and shared with the Indiegogo supporters. <sighs> and she is also writing a second exclusive bonus episode that will go out to supporters this month. <sighs> she smiled at me with the sweetest of smiles and casually mentioned all the extra sound effects and music that'll be required. Not to mention all the lines she's written for Professor Savant to say. There's only one thing to say about all this extra work. I can't wait to share it with you. These bonus episodes are going to allow us to take Sage and Savant into new and unexplored territory. We get the opportunity to share these characters we love with even more people. We get to share billing with some of the most talented people in the audio drama landscape. And most importantly, we get to share the fun with you, our audience. So, go to wifisci-fi.org and check it out. We wouldn't want you to miss out on all the fun. Yes, dear friends, you heard it here. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi is going to be one hell of a show, and we hope you will join us in Seattle. And now, back to our show. After Abigail's departure, I dove back into the professor's diary to pick up where I had left off. Petra regained consciousness after only a few moments and convinced Erasmus that she simply needed food to gain enough strength to travel home. I need protein, iron, and citrus. A good meaty bone broth, some bread, fruit, and a strong whiskey. I'll be good as new in no time. Uh, I think you need more than food. You need rest, sleep. Every time I sleep, my brain resets and the invader can come back. <sighs> I don't know if the time I was unconscious accomplished the same thing. You don't want to take chances. I, exactly. Mm. 
The professor fed her and was pleased to see a little color return to her cheeks. Now that you seem to have stepped away from death's door, Petro, we can see about getting a coach to Calais and catching a ship home. Oh, and I must telephone Abigail. She'll be worried out of her mind. We could use the exchange at Le Charge de la Fer, but how will we explain to Calypso? We have nothing to explain to that woman. If anything, she has a lot to explain to us. How could she possibly allow this to happen to you, for one? But point in fact, the house was empty. I found it locked and shuttered with a note in the kitchen instructing the staff to take two weeks' holiday. Locked and shuttered? Are you confessing to committing burglary on my behalf? As a point of fact, yes. I would do far more than that on your behalf, woman, and you know it. All right. Come then, let's telephone my young protege and go home. By the time Sage and Savant arrive at King's, Abigail has practically worn a path into the floorboards of the laboratory with her pacing. The sound of the hidden door panel sliding back sends her scuttling for the stairs. I'm coming! I've got a light! Well met, Abigail. Thank you. It is good to see you, Abigail. Oh, I'm so happy to see you well, Doctor. I feel most worried. You needn't have worried on my behalf. Well, it's easy for you to say. You have too little regard for death. That is not true in the slightest. I simply have a strong regard for my own capabilities, a regard that you might do well to emulate. Uh, ladies, uh, let us not fight so soon after reuniting. You were right. Erasmus, I'm sorry, Abigail. This hole in my head seems to have made me shrink. What short. did they do to you? I'm guessing they put a small molybdenum ring in my brain. I'd like you to take it out. I'm sorry? Petra? You'd like what? You heard me. I'd like you to remove whatever it is they've placed in my skull. I'm guessing that it is a two millimeter molybdenum hoop placed just here in my right frontal lobe. Petra, you've just begun to regain your strength. I don't believe another surgery is the best thing just now. As long as that ring is in my head, I'm vulnerable and I won't have it. Mm. You know what it's like to be violated without consent, please. Erasmus, can't you see me? Violated? I believe that the man from Leire de Temps can enter my... can get access to co-apperception with me via this ring. It is the same hoop that allowed me to repeatedly enter the body known as Charles at Le Charge de la Fer in Paris. What? Doctor, there is a great deal of information here that I don't understand. But if you want my help, you will come clean about all of it. No more secrets. Abigail is right. Things began to go wrong when we started keeping secrets. If I'd told you of what happened to me in Seneca Falls. Or if I had confessed what I'd done to Mix Cunningham sooner. If either of you had paid me the courtesy of trust. No, you are right, Abigail. You deserve complete honesty, both of you do, and I promise. I will share everything. All my research notes, everything I've done, everything I've learned. But I can't do that with this sword of Damocles hanging above my head. Oh, Please. I don't know. I, I've never performed brain surgery it's before. It's difficult. I can talk you through the procedure, help you set up the instruments, prepare the theater, and Erasmus will be at your side through the entire thing. I trust you, Abigail. Against her better judgment, 
Abigail capitulates, and they prepare the classroom where Cunningham had lain suspended for so many weeks to once again serve as an operating theater. What can I tell you about surgery in the doctor's time, ladies and gentlemen? It is a barbaric practice of bone saws and overflowing blood, of viscera and effluvium. Nothing like the clean lasers of our own time that do not need to practically murder a patient whilst attempting to help them. But even through the blood and viscera, Abigail found the tiny molybdenum hoop in the right frontal lobe, just as the doctor had suspected. She was right. Here it is, you see. Help me shine the light just here, Professor, so I can lift it free. In all my days of wanting to peer inside her head and gain a better understanding of this incredible brain, I did not wish to see. <laughs> the true organ of her nature. Remarkable, isn't it, that this squishy lump is... Professor, check her breath. Uh, she's not breathing. What do I do? Okay, a push on her abdomen. Here, like this? A, a, a little higher, good. I'll tickle her throat. Damn, it's not working. We need to lower her head. Um, help me ratchet the table. Okay, okay, try again. Press her stomach. Come on, Petra, come on. D death is no barrier, you know that. It's not working. <sighs> I don't know what to do, it's not working. Petra, Petra, Nella Sage, you are not allowed to leave me. There's no pulse, she's, she's gone, she's, she's dead. I killed her. Petra? Despite their efforts, despite all of the wishing it wasn't so, Dr. Petronella Sage is dead. She cannot truly be dead, can she? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a twin star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. The theme song for season four was interpreted and recorded by Victor and the Bully. Special music in this episode was provided by Avital Raz. Check out their amazing music at avitalraz.com. We would like to extend our gratitude to this month's sponsor, Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Episode 405, Part A, The Last Person, was written by Eddie Louise. Check out our website, sageandsavant.com, to find the facts behind the fiction. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com sageandsavant and become a supporter. Finally, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science. <laughs> <laughs>